Hey everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where Zach never swears, but I just heard him swear like a sailor, and it was pretty awesome. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. I promise no potty mouth today, uh, but yes, we're we're here to talk about a recent adventure I had, which uh, you know left some bad words in my mouth. Let's put it that way, Andrew. It's just, yeah, it's very exciting to me when you curse because, like, you you don't normally like, and especially like- when we're recording, you don't. Yeah, I must admit, I'm pretty good when I'm on the microphone or I'm on meetings or stuff like that. In person, I'm a little bit more of a potty mouth. Um, But you know what it's like? Daryl doesn't like it. Daryl doesn't like swearing, and so I really tone it down whenever I'm around him. So you care about what Daryl thinks. You don't care about what I think. Don't give a shit about you. No. Well, there you go. (laughs) I'm not hurt. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) How are you, man? It's been a hot minute. Yeah, it's funny. On our last podcast, we said, let's not let it be eight weeks (laughs) until the next episode that's exactly what i was thinking yep <laughs> exactly and then it's been like eight weeks since yeah it's pretty much yep we said hopefully we'll talk to you before the next time when we and, oh yeah no, we, we definitely did not. will sorry uh, about that yeah no, no that's you, all I mean, good man Life happens. you did a podcast with mike so you managed to get one in i couldn't make that yeah. one no no that was yeah that was a good one he, he did his 10k he smashed mm. out his uh his goal he wanted to do it i think i can't remember i think it was under 75 minutes he wanted to originally do it and he eventually mm. did it under 65 that's so good. he really yeah he really smashed it out of the park i was very proud of him uh you know especially because you know gave him like a like a three or four week training block just to lead him up to it, just to get him ready to spend some time on his legs and he just freaked it Yeah, as you'll hear, listeners, three or four weeks can make the big difference between making a race or not having a race go exactly the way you thought it would. Yeah, Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. Um, What have you been up to other than that? Other than that, uh, so I've been promoted at Jets. I'm now the official club manager for Jets Broadmeadows. Congratulations, Broadmeadows. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, (laughs) Basically, well, they needed a manager for that club, and I've been performing – with the limited hours that I've been doing at Tarnate and Williams Landing. So they offered it to me and I was like, yeah, all right. I'll still do some hours at Tarnate uh, and Williams Landing. But yeah, so I'm managing the club over there. I've already brought it back up to a good, better place, I think. Um, mm-hmm. How long does it take you to get there from here? What's the commute like? It's about just under, it's about 30 to 35 minutes. Oh, that's uh, okay. So it's not too bad. And because I get there at about 10 o'clock, generally I leave here and the, uh, the, 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 the traffic's done anyway. Um, but I think, um, I think the biggest news to have happened is, uh, I have, have a bit of a confession to make. Yeah. I bought another pair of Nikes. Oh no. But I went for the alpha flies this time. You, oh, so you went for the more expensive type. Yeah. That's good. Cause you've yeah. got a, an addiction, a crippling addiction, do. double I down do. on it. They just came today. I'm going to unbox oh. them right now. Look at this. You, oh, you're going to unbox them live. Yes, yeah, look at that. So Nike. Oh, it's a different box. It's a different box. Beautiful gray box with a black outline swoosh. Comes with a, comes with a carry bag. Ooh. Um, well, for, you know, 600 bucks, you'd expect to get something. I hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They were $350. That's actually cheaper than I thought. I would have thought like 430 to 470 range. Yeah. So that's better than I thought. Okay. So the only color that they had was the this one. Oh, they're bright. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're very interesting. Um, would you call I, those I, fire? Orange fire? No, it was like, uh, not. I want to say echidna, but that's not right. <laughs> um, seahorse? No, it's like something with an E. It's something having to do with the sunset, but it was like a specific name. I can't remember what it was. Equinox. Uh, no. no, maybe I'll look at the maybe look at the box. They're yeah. very bright listeners. They're uh, Ekiden, E-K-I-D-E-N. I don't know what that I think that might be something having to do with something. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited because basically, you know, oh, this is interesting. It's got a little hole here. Yeah, talk uh, me through. So so looking at the vape, looking at the vaporfly versus the alpha fly, the big difference I see with the alpha fly is that huge gel at the front and the forefront. Yeah, so that's that's definitely new. So it's got like a tide pod on the front of the shoe. Um, uh, it does have, um, so the thing that I hated about the vapor flies is that the upper was just like, so, um, I mean, it's very snug. It's hard to get on. It's a hard shoe to get on because it's a racing shoe. So it's not going to leave much room, but it's just, it offers no assistance. So what I can already see right now is this little bad boy, this little loop in the back of the shoe, that um, six millimeters of fabric at the back that's the yeah. big distinguishing point you're seeing that's yep. what i'm gonna i'm gonna use that to pull and you know what i'm probably gonna break it on the first that'll shot. rip i guarantee oh, you that'll rip yeah um, so i'm glad that they put that on there for no reason at all 
Um, it's got little nice little artwork on the back of it. Wow. I mean, you know, for 370 bucks, you'd expect a little something. something. The How one does is, it feel? Uh, I don't I, know. I haven't put them on yet, but I can tell you that it's got a it's got a nice cow get out of here it's Dixon. got a nice mesh to it um okay. and it feels like it's going to be a little bit more giving than the vapor flies um is it a sock fit or is it an actual the laces tighten it up or... uh, the laces do tighten it up but it does okay it does look like it has a little bit of a, a stretch here oh, so it would be like a little yeah. bit of a sock fit uh like yeah. my uh my uh asics gel kyanos i love this yes. um they're very supportive without being a support shoe. So I feel like that that's what these are going to do. So it's going to be interesting. The alpha flies are, I feel from what I've heard, not as fast as the vapor flies, but the longevity in a long race, this is what, this is what people trust. Okay. Um, like the, the vapor flies, they're great for five, 10 K, maybe half, but apparently the alphas are really good for those longer distances. So a half marathon up to marathon distance. Yeah, which, beyond. which yeah. I would imagine is because of the extra. It, I can already see it's got extra um, cushioning. It's chunky at the heel. Yeah, yeah. But it's so light. I can't even. It's light. It's really light. It's like, floating away. Yeah. Yes. For a big shoe, it is really surprising how light it is. Um, so it feels like it, it would support you longer than the vapor flies because the vapor flies are great, but mm -hmm. yeah, after about 10, 15 kilometers, like after eight, nine kilometers, really, it's like the super foam starts to compress and it's like, it's no longer giving you support. Yep. Um, so that's got the carbon plate in it. Um, this has got the carbon plate. It's got the fly plates, Nike fly plate, but yeah. Interesting. Um, and so you, I was actually watching an interview with Molly Sedell, um, Olympian, uh, Molly Sedell the other day yep. and she was talking about that you know should you run every day in your super shoes yeah and she said you shouldn't run every day but you definitely should not save your super shoes for the races because you run differently in them yeah so you need to practice running in them so her advice was you know for your long runs or your tempo runs wear the super shoes that you're used to them for race day, yeah. but don't bother wearing them for track work or recovery work. That's yeah, just a complete well, waste. Exactly. So what I'm doing, like right now, I've actually got a new running coach. Um, okay. Kirk DeWint over at the running public. Um, and I've started with him. And so he's actually, it's really interesting. He's really dialing into my training. Um, it's really great. I'm, he's built in specific hill work. Like yesterday I did a 15 minute warm up on the treadmill and then 30 minutes a hard tempo at a 15% incline. Ooh. That was so shit. <laughs> yeah. I can <laughs> but, imagine that would um, suck. It really did. But like, I didn't, I didn't, I got in the 15 minutes, I just barely got um, two and a half kilometers. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I probably got less than that actually. And I, I must've gotten less than that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So basically for him, He'll, he'll do like, he's got me running really slow on my easy days. Like he's like, keep your heart rate below 135 to 138. And so that puts me at like a seven minute kilometer. That's almost. slow. Yeah. Um, and then the fast days, the tempo days or the hard days were really pushing hard. So on the long distances and the, and the tempos, oops, uh, I'm going to be wearing those, the yeah. alpha fly, or the vapor flies or the alpha flies. And then on my recovery days, I'll wear my Kayanos or my Brooks and then the yep. treadmill, same thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because those really slow days, like, I don't know if it's coincidence, but last, uh, this past Sunday, last Sunday, um, on my first day off, you know, it was, he basically has me, well, my second day off in the week, he has me running five days a week okay. that day. I woke up and probably for the first time ever, I got out of bed with like zero pain in my feet or my legs or my ankles. That's good. So, so there's something to be said about those really easy days. And again, it might be coincidence just because I'm switching things up a bit, but it might not be. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, he's very, very adamant that, well, he's not adamant, but he's like, he's, he's a prick about it. He's, yeah, he's, he's an asshole. Stop banging on about it. Such I tell him to shut up. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going back to this. He feels that a, a sub three hour marathon is within the realm of possibility. Good. So maybe that's back on the table for breaking the barrier. Who knows? Well, yeah. So rather than 240, we just try and break three. Yeah. Breaking break. three. That's a better name, isn't it? It is a much better name. Yeah. It sounds kind of devilishly close to breaking two, though, isn't that what yeah, If you kind of squint, you could imagine it's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, so that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's basically what's going on uh, in my life. Uh, Aaron and I are 
you know, obviously, um, you know, we hadn't seen each other for a lot uh, because, you know, we were both pretty sick in the last couple yeah. of weeks. But, um, you know, Aaron is, I'm, I think, on her road to getting back into working out again. And yeah. she's working some things out with her body and her ankle and her wrists and everything. And she has a like a physio friend who's going to... Mm. Uh, who has been prescribing her something that she's going to hopefully start. So maybe Aaron gets back into fitness as well. Um, that's what I've got. <laughs> that's what you've got. A pair of, you've been working out, you've got a new running coach. You've got a pair of very bright, pretty new orange shoes that just came today. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's what you've done for the last eight weeks. Yeah. And a new, and a new job. That's actually quite job. a bit when you say it like that. Yeah. And Aaron. <laughs> and Aaron. Yeah. She I've done Aaron for the past eight weeks. That's a weird thing to say, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. I hope she doesn't oh, listen to this episode. No, no, this, 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 is, yeah, this is just for us to play back when we're old in the nursing home. Exactly. Today. Nobody yeah. else listens. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what's new with you, man? It's been a, yeah, it's been a couple of days. Oh. We're going to talk about your, uh, some stuff that's happened with you. I did great ocean road ultra. Well, that doesn't sound like it was very, that didn't sound happy at all. It didn't like me, Andrew. So what happened? So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get it down. This. Let's, let's start this. Should I lie session. down on this couch here? And so I we think can we just should talk it through. I, th- I think we should. I think uh, Dr. Andrew is in. Let's, uh, let's do this. All right. So let's start at the top. So the Great Ocean Road Ultra is a 60 kilometer race that goes along the Great Ocean Road here in Victoria, in Australia. Uh, universally regarded as one of the prettiest courses in the world to run. Um, it's not a flat course, the Great Ocean Road, uh, in the direction that you run it across the, the length of it, which is it's about 45 kilometres from the town of Lawn to the town of Apollo Bay, and that's what they run the traditional marathon along and they run the traditional half marathon along that. And that course in and of itself has between 400 and 500 metres of elevation. So it's, mm. it's not a flat course. It's not like, you know, Gold Coast Marathon, which is six metres of elevation to the entire thing, or right. Melbourne Marathon, which is like 40 metres of elevation, or even Canberra, which, you know, has some surprising hills in it, but it's still relatively flat. Yeah. Um, the Great Ocean Road course is a hilly course. And it's also a curvy course, which a lot of people It's a curvy course. Yeah. yeah. It's a curvy course. It's a hilly course. It can sometimes get terrible weather depending on where the wind's blowing from. Um, but I've done it three times in, in, before. Uh, I've done this course three times. I've actually never had a bad day with weather. Right. I've, had, I've had bad half days with weather where like one half of the race was a little windy and blowy. But most of the time I've had pretty good results with weather. And I've done the full marathon there for the, the 45K run uh, three times beforehand. And I've, and I've always wanted to do the ultra. And the ultra is a 60 kilometer race. And the way it works is that you follow the exact course from Lawn to Apollo Bay, but at the 33 and a half K mark, you turn off and you go inland about five kilometers up a hill, turn around, come back down that hill and and rejoin the course. And then you run along the course to a second turnout and you go inland about five kilometers, turn around, come back in. And that's at the 47 and a half K mark. And then you run the rest of the way back to Apollo Bay and you've done 60 Ks by the end of it. And they say to complete the ultra in the time cutoff, which is six and a half hours, you need to be averaging a seven minute kilometer. Mm. Um, and you need to be at the first cutoff. The race starts at eight o'clock in the morning. You need to be at the first cutoff by, uh, I think it's about 11 o'clock in the morning, yep. um, maybe even later than that. Um, and then you need to be at the second cutoff um, by 12, 15 or something like that. So there's two times you have to hit um, to make these cutoffs. So I've always wanted to do this, this race and I studied it quite a bit. And the elevation is considerable. The elevation is over a thousand meters for the course. And it's all in those two turnoffs. So the extra climbing you get between doing the 45K event and the 60K event, the extra 600 odd meters is all in two hills. Um, wow. But I've always wanted to do it. So this year I decided to enter it. Um, it did not go well. <laughs> it did not go as well as expected. Well, cause you yeah. were going to, you were going to, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, you were going to do it, uh, yeah. contingent on you were running, you had run, um, uh, it, oh, it was contingent on 
doing the Brimbank Ultra yeah. in under in what four forty five yeah, under five hours under five hours, and then yeah. you didn't. I came in at like five oh two. Yeah, so you decided to not do it. So this has yeah. kind of been a race that you've been teetering on doing for a few years. I've got two Nemesis races. I've actually got a couple of three Nemesis races now. I've got. I need to go back and do Gold Coast because that was my yeah. first ever marathon, and I really had a bad day there and bolted and hit the wall. Um, I've never gotten under five hours for the 50K at Brimbank. Right. And so I got to get past that. And now um, this 60K ultra at the Great Ocean Road has been like Moby Dick for me. Um, just yeah. out there, the big white whale. And I'm Captain Ahab just standing on the bow of the ship with my harpoon and my peg leg, just you know, looking for this beast to try and take it down. Well, there's your problem um, trying to do a, an ultra and the cutoff time with a peg leg, I think. is. A- yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so, th- so this year I decided to do it. This year I entered the Great Ocean Road 60 before we did the Warburton trail run, before yeah. you and I were meant to do Brimbank that we didn't end up doing before I did Oxfam. Um, I decided that coming out of, uh, coming into this year, I was going to do it. It was finally time for me to do it. I felt like I had a really good time at Great Ocean Road last year. I finished the entire 40 5k event in in you know under four hours three hours 55 or something and i sort of sat there and went oh, yeah, i did 45ks in sub four hours i've got another two and a half hours to do 15 kilometers surely i can do that yeah so so that was my logic for entering this race um but let, let's you know the lead up to this event was not perfect for me um listeners who have gone back and listened to the Oxfam recap we did where we spoke about all that. I cannot tell you, Andrew, it took me so long to recover from Oxfam. Yeah. I am amazed. It was c- compared to other, like I did a hundred Ks at Yuyang in December mm. and a week later, I backed it up with a sub four hour marathon at Melbourne. Yeah. It was four weeks after this Oxfam event before I felt like I was back to running for my legs and ankles and everything were just so sore for weeks after Oxfam that that extra being on the legs for 24 hours at Oxfam yeah versus being on the legs for only 16 hours at Trails Plus even though Trails Plus had more elevation but the extra time on legs the extra eight hours time on legs for Oxfam was just it was tough I mean it's it's broken El Pace Bros. Yeah, well, um, and it's it's kind of like awesome because like because you you had said that you didn't really train the walking as much. No, and then it's just it just it goes to show you how much of a different system, different um, muscles are used when you're walking as opposed to mu- running. And it doesn't. It's like just because you can run long distance doesn't mean you can necessarily walk. Um, correct. Like I've always, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I ran the fifty k Warburton two weeks before Oxfam. And I was like, okay, I did pretty well there. You know, I, I, I ran faster than Simon, which I always think is a good thing. If you can run an event faster than Simon, you're doing pretty well because he's a bloody good runner. He's a freak, yeah. So, so I ran Warburton 50K faster than Simon. I backed up the 100K Oxfam and pulled up from that a lot better than a lot of other people. Sure. But the recovery from Oxfam was tough. And so I had seven weeks between Oxfam and this great ocean road to get ready. and it literally took me four weeks to be back to a point where I could run for more than two hours. Yeah. Like up until that point, it was really, I could get out there and do short runs, but it was, it was pain sort of stuff. And I was just fatigued for so long off Oxfam. Um, and, and combined with just the general flatness that El Pace Bros had, I mean, you know, Daryl unfortunately injured himself a couple of weeks after Oxfam. Um, oh, you know, yeah, hurt his knee again. So possibly Oxfam whilst he got through it and he got through it super well, yeah. um, maybe not the best thing for his knee because he re-aggravated his knee a couple of weeks later. Damn. And, and Omar and Simon, it, you know, they've just, they, they're back into running. They went out on the weekend and did, you know, a half marathon as a Sunday I, I did long see run, that. Yep. which is always good, yeah. but they're not in love with running right now yeah. is well, what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's Omar's first half that he's run in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And Simon's, you know, I'm apparently struggling a little bit with it he's still going out there banging out awesome times at park run um but he's kind of you know quote unquote going through the motions um still a bloody good runner going through the motions but but yeah el pace bros were pretty banged around from oxfam it was a lot harder event than we thought 
Yeah. And so around about four weeks out, four weeks after Oxfam, three weeks before Great Ocean Road, I was starting to find a little bit of running form. But the problem I had is that I knew that the two weeks before uh, Great Ocean Road, I was going away on holiday, holidays. I, was, I went to the Philippines because my brother got married. Mm. And so we travelled over to the Philippines. And that meant two weeks out from Great Ocean Road, I was going to be into a hard taper. Um, and the hard taper was going to be, I, I had you know access to a treadmill at the hotel we were staying at, but it was pretty hot whilst we were over there. Most I could manage was you know half an hour to 45 minutes on the treadmill. Tre- I hate treadmills at the best of time. I don't know how yeah. you do it. Um, you know, did a couple of two a days, but you know, tried to run every day whilst I was over there, sure. but wasn't putting in huge distances. But I was I was putting in probably enough to keep moving, except yeah. the week between um, you know, before going to the Philippines, my wife got COVID. Right. And so she was sick. And so instantly what I thought was going to be a bumper final week of banging out some, you know, hardcore long runs so that I went into the holiday completely trashed turned into me sleeping on a fold-out couch in the spare room <laughs> oh, no. uh, and, and quote-unquote, needing to run the household yeah. um, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just amazing the little things you need to do to keep stuff moving when one partner is just completely t- taken out of action literally overnight. Like yeah. I, I went out for a Sunday long run at the Ueys and on my way back I messaged home to see how everyone was and my wife said, well, I've tested positive to COVID. Can you bring me a, an egg McMuffin, please? Uh, because yeah, had to slide it under the door and literally didn't see her for a week. Uh, wow. So in, in that week lead up, I had to look after the house. I had to get the girls ready to go to the Philippines and then take them to the Philippines myself. So, so I really didn't get to build for even a week on that yeah. build back from Oxfam. So my run up to this event, he says, making excuses now after an event has not gone well, <laughs> um, was, was not great. Um, and so I think, that's probably where the first lesson I've taken from this experience before I even talk about how the race went. The first lesson I'm taking from this experience is sometimes you need to stop and have a really hard look at, are you actually ready for this? Yeah. The the smarter thing for me to have done at around about that four week mark, especially when my wife got sick and especially when I realized I was going to lose that last week was I should have downgraded down yeah. to the 45k race yeah um i should have looked at it and gone i needed to come i thought that i would do warburton 50 oxfam 100 come out of oxfam 100 be back to running normal long runs a week later because oxfam's just quote unquote a walk right how hard can it be um Famous I was last not, words i was not expecting to lose four weeks recovering from oxfam yeah so i was expecting to build for those four or five weeks and then do the hard taper for philippines Right. So the, the second my Oxfam recovery didn't go to plan, I think the missing judgment call I made was I should have recognized that things were off track and I should have downgraded to the 44 because I could have ran the 44, had a fun time. Yeah, I didn't do the ultra, but I can always come back and have the ultra as the great unknown and try it again right. rather than crashing into the cold, hard windshield of reality that was the Great Ocean Road Ultra this year. Um, which I'll get into in a second. So, but yeah, lesson one, uh, take the time to reassess. And, you know, I, I felt like I would have been quote unquote failing or chickening out or, or you know, not being brave by not going forward with the ultra. That's why I stuck with it. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll get through it. It'll be fine. And, you know, you've got to have a little bit of bravado yeah. to do an event like that. You can't go in doubting yourself, but that was not probably realistic. I, I should have, uh, I should have listened to, myself or someone else and probably taken a, a different perspective on whether or not I went through with that event in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. That's, and that's, that's, that's the thing, right? It's like, uh, what is running, but you know, smart, run, well, I don't want to say smart or not smart, but what is the most efficient running that you can do and the, the running that's going to progress you the most is the, the running that takes your ego out and it, that you set those realistic expectations, um, you know, and that's, that's kind of like, I've been talking about doing this 60K for so long. You like just wanted been, to do it. I wanted to do it. Yeah. And, you know, the, for, the, the 45K Great Ocean Road run is a great run and it's a challenging run, but I've done it three times before. I know I can do that event. Yeah. For me, the challenge was doing the ultra event, but the smart thing to do would have been to, even though it might have been very, very late in the piece, to reassess that, um, you know, I knew going into this run 
I thought I could do it. I didn't know I could do it. Yeah. And I've, I've never, even my very, very first marathon, I never went into my very, very first marathon not knowing I could do it. Yeah. You know, with this, there was doubt. I was talking to Mark at a training session weeks beforehand and I was not, there was never, the, the confidence wasn't there. It was like, well, I think I can do it because maths and I've done it before and, you know, past performance is not an indication of future uh, returns. You know, mm. they always tell you that with share price investing and it's the same with running as well. Just because you've done something in the past and the maths tells you it's possible in the future doesn't mean it will work out that way. So yeah. um, my confidence in continuing to remain entered in the 60 and doing the 60 was based probably more on mathematical theory than actually feeling like I could smash it out. I feel like in every episode we have to say that we are not good at maths on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. are we ever going to learn? I proved I wasn't good at maths. I mean, <laughs> my, my my longest run between Oxfam and in fact, my longest run between the Warburton 50 and the Great Ocean Road 60 attempt was, I think I got maybe a 24K run in. How many kilometers um, have you done this year? Do you know? Uh, what are we now? We're, in, we're approaching mid-May, probably 1,400. That's ridiculous. Kilometers, 1,400, 1,500 kilometers, something like that. That's I'm more on. than most people will do in a year. So like, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm averaging, I'm, I'm trying to do about, 1200 every four months i'm trying to do about 1200 kilometers so you're so, gonna hit what's that 3600 36, 3600 for the year it's kind of 10k that be your highest year? a day no no it's gone over 4000 twice in a oh, year. Yeah, man. You're yeah so i've backed it yeah so last year i, I only did um 3200 k's only uh and this year i'm looking for between 32 and 3600 k's i don't think yeah. i've ever gone over 25 yeah so i'm trying to average about 10 k's a day yeah wow yeah so, so but, but I didn't get any quality long runs in before the 60s. So compare that to Troy, who I run with. Troy, um, three weeks out or four weeks out from doing the Great Ocean Road 60 as well, he did, he was smart. He did a 46-kilometer long run. Mm. And in the middle of that 46K long run, he did a 21-kilometer half, 21K run at his race pace. Okay, so, so he did yeah. a long run workout. That's a good. He yeah. did a long run workout. He ran to the Werribee Mansion half marathon. Yeah, like a nice easy run. He then did the Werribee half mansion run at his race pace, and then he ran back from that and totaled up forty six k's. That's nice. Absolutely perfect training. Uh, not the hills that the course would actually turn out to be, but he did the distance. He did the pace. Yeah. Me, I was doing trying to get my kilometers up to where they needed to be, but, you know, trying to battle with availability because, you know, I had to look after the, the girls because in the house because of Liz having COVID. Yeah. I, I would do 15, 20 Ks in the morning and then another 15 Ks or so in the afternoon. So my daily mileage was saying I was getting 30 Ks a day, 35 Ks a day, but I was doing it in two bursts. And so yes, that second run was on tired legs, but it's not the same as running the whole thing. And I, I'd say, I'll put it this way. Perfectly adequate for running a marathon, not yeah. adequate for running a ultra road race. And well, ultra road race is the is the key term there. I mean, I think adequate for running that. Sure, it's just unfortunately that's mm. a, like that cutoff time that they give is kind of like competitive. The, the, the cutoff I mean? is 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 a very um, it's it's they're cutting it off as quickly as they can. They're trying to yeah. shut down the Great Ocean Road. Yeah, it's the they, biggest they, tourist road in Victoria. They need to open it up as quickly as they can. But yeah, it is a, their cutoff times, like the um, the cutoff time for the first turn off and the cutoff time for the second turn off are very much on the bubble. There's no slack there. They right. need you to be off the road um, as quickly as you can so that they can reopen the road again. Um, so, so I, so, you know, basically that's a long way of saying that in hindsight, I turned up for the event not properly ready in terms of form yeah. um, and probably could have had a much easier day of it and come back to fight another day if I had decided just to downgrade to the 45K event. But mm. I was there, and as you'll hear, um, the maths wasn't far off. Um, so the event starts at, you know, we get down there on the, the Saturday night, really, really, really quiet night, not many of us in the house this year. Um, get to the start line. And there's around about seven of us starting at lawn to do uh, five people doing the ultra, 
sorry, five people doing the marathon and two people doing the ultra, me and Troy. Um, and so we headed off at eight o'clock, gun goes, and I settled into a pace of, you know, where I wanted to be. My, my whole plan for this event was I was going to run in the, in the fives, try and stay around about 5.30 pace as much as possible until I got to the first cutoff at 33 and a half Ks. Mm. And then it, because it's an ultra, what do you do when you get to a big hill in an ultra? Walk. You hike the hill. Yeah. So my plan was I would run to the turnoff at 33 and a half K, averaging 5.30 pace or so. Then I'd turn off and I'd hike up the hill to save my legs because that's what you do on an ultra. And then when I got to the top, I would run back down the hill because I've done a lot of work practicing my running downhill. And that was one of my strengths at Warburton was I got to the big 10K downhill bit and I just ran down that. Um, you know, and, I, and I've done all the, the training and the logic about you don't try and slow yourself down with your quads when you're running downhill. You let yourself go and you just kind of ride the gravity wave and all that sort of stuff. So that was my plan. My plan was to run at a certain pace out to the turnoff, hike the hill, run back down, run along the road to the next turnoff, hike the next hill, turn around, run back down the hill, and then run the rest of the way to the finish line. You know, um, I knew I could run the Great Ocean Course. I'd never done the turnoff before, but I assumed with, ultra, with every ultra race I've done in the past, unless you're a super elite, you get to those big bloody hills and you hike them and you mm. hike them. To, but the difference is, Andrew, and you can tell I'm serious because I used your name. Thank you. So, Andrew, the <laughs> difference is... Ultra events don't have a cutoff as aggressive as six and a half hours for the same thing. Yeah. And ultra events don't make you run 33 and a half kilometers before you do the first big hill. Like, you know, ultra trail runners would turn around and walk off the course at that point because they want to get into hills straight away. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and this was effectively, this was a road course. This was not an off-road trail course. The turn off and the road we ran up was an asphalt road for most of it. Yeah. There's a little bit of um, gravel at the end of it, but we're not talking about, um, you know, trails here. And when I got to the 33 and a half K mark, I needed to be there by, I just checked the times in the background. I needed to be there by 11.40. I got there before 11 o'clock. So I was 40 minutes ahead of the cutoff at the first turnoff. And then I turned and walked up this hill and I had heaps of people running past me. Right. Everyone ahead of me had ran up the hill and was running back down it. What's the? Do you, can you tell me like the uh, percent, the incline on the hill? Was it? Is it a big hill or? It's, it's a big hill. Like... It's a it's, it's a categorized climb. Okay. So the the hill goes from uh, the first hill has about three hundred meters of climbing in it. Okay. Wow. So it climbs three hundred meters, and then the second hill in the ultra course has uh, two hundred and fifty meters of climbing. Yeah. So there's five hundred, six hundred meters of climbing just in those two hills. So that's comparative to well, no, that's doing all the hills that you Yanks put together. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's like three times Flinders Peak. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. okay. The, the way I would describe it is if you know the Yu Yangs at all and you park at the bottom car park and you go and you run from the bottom car park all the way up to the car park at the top yeah. of the, the, the road, yeah. this first run was like doing that two and a half times but about that incline. Jesus. So, you know, it is, it is runnable. So I spoke to Daryl about this. Daryl said, do you think you can run it? I said, I think if you park me at the bottom of that hill and you tell me to run that hill, I can run that hill. Yeah. If you park me at lawn and you tell me to run to that hill and then run up that hill, well, obviously I had a bit of a problem with that because yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, so it's a very, like Troy ran it. Troy, Troy finished 14th overall. Troy did wow. the 60-kilometer event in sub five hours. Troy, who is this Troy? Do I know Troy? Troy Wilson. I don't know if you've met Troy. I, um, I don't. I know yeah. a Troy, but it's not that Troy. Yeah, not that Troy, no. This this Troy is a very, very good runner. Okay. Um, so he finished 14th overall. He wanted to wow. do it in five and a half hours, and he went sub five. Jesus. Um, so he's, he's you know, he's very, very good. Yeah, wow. Um, okay. And so he and all of the other people that are at the pointy end of the pack got to this turn off and ran up it. Um, okay. I got to this turn off, hiked up it, and I'll be honest, I was at the 33.5K mark at the turn off. I had enough in me to continue running to the finish line and finishing the marathon in sub four hours. I was, I was still good to do that. Right. But by the time I came back down 
the turnoff, we were at the 40. And I know that because I came back down the turnoff, got to like 44, 45 kilometers. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done now. Yeah. Um, the fact that I still had 15 kilometers to go at that yeah. meant I was in for a bad day. So I got to the turnoff 40 minutes ahead of the cutoff. I hiked up the hill doing, you know, 10 minute kilometers or so, got to the top of it, ran back down the hill, averaging sub sixes, got back onto the Great Ocean Road and, you know, running the next five or so Ks to the next cutoff, my pace drifted out above six minute kilometers. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, still well under seven. I got to the turn. So approaching the second turnoff, there's a little bit of a hill. And so, again, taking the logic and wisdom of ultras that I've had yeah. in the past, I started to walk the hill. So I was like, right, I'll walk the hill to the turnoff and then I'll walk up the turnoff to the top, get to the top of the turnoff and then legs, you and me will have a negotiation uh, and we will run down this hill and we will run all the way to the finish and we will, we will sort this thing out. I got to the cutoff and there was a lady standing there and I said, so do I go up here now? And she's like, sorry, you've missed the cutoff. Get the and I went, what? She went, they, he just cut it. And she pointed to a guy who was like 20 metres down the road, um, starting to pack up some of the cones and put them into the back of a van. And I went, I missed the cutoff. And she went, yeah. I went, how much did I miss the cutoff by? And she went, it just closed. It literally just closed. And I went, so I can't go. And the guy turned around and saw me and he went, "If and this is where ultramarathon brain is not good brain. Yeah. Ultramarathon brain, no work good. Because <laughs> uh, he said to me, I just closed it. You know, the, the cutoff has just gone. You can go, but you need to be able to do six-minute kilometres for the next 16 kilometres to finish. And in my brain, I was like, well, I've, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. You know, I'm, I'm doing slower than six minute kilometers running along the great ocean road now yeah i'm gonna slow down to 10 minute kilometers going up this hill now yeah sure i might get under six minute kilometers running back down the hill but once i get back onto the great ocean road i'm going to drift out over six kilometers again yeah. so in my head i went and i just said the first thing that came into my eye i said well i can't do that and he said well then i can't let you go onto the cutoff um you have to keep you know just head on to the finish now and we'll take the 5Ks you're not doing off your distance, but still run to the finish and still finish. And as I was saying that, a couple of other people turned up um, and they were like, what's going on? And I'm like, they've closed the cutoff. We can't go. And these were guys who had, um, when I was walking up the hill at the first cutoff, yeah. they had ran, walked past me. But then when we got to the top of the hill and turned around and ran down that first cutoff, I ran down. And they walk ran down. So I went, so about eight people went past me going yeah. up that hill. And I went back another four on the way back. So, you know, I was, I was still kind of held my position in the race, yeah. um, even with my walk run tactic. So they got to the cutoff after me and they said, so what's going on? I said, we've missed the cutoff guys. Um, we've, we, we've just missed it. And one guy went, so what do I have to do? And the guy said, six minute kilometers for 16 Ks. And he went, Oh, I'm going. And so he just ran through the cutoff. So even though he'd missed the cutoff by a couple of minutes, he went. Okay. I don't know what happened to him. He could have been eaten by bears. Probably um, was because there's so tons of bears in Australia. Pretty much. Especially on the Great Ocean Road. Um, two of the other guys who I'd been running with for a bit, they just went, oh, okay. Like they just went straight into acceptance mode. Mm -hmm. There was no bargaining. There was no anger. The first guy was anger. And he was just like, no, I'm just going and just went. I kind of went into bargaining mode and started doing maths, which is we've proven on this podcast. We're not good <laughs> at the best of times. And these two other guys just went into um, uh, acceptance and just started heading towards the finish line. So, um, uh, okay. So re refresh. This is how far into the race? Ah, yes. Yeah, this is 47 and a half kilometers into a 60 kilometer race. Okay. And so what did he mean by the five kilometers that's what we i don't understand he said you need to do six minutes because he's he was closing the cutoff at and i'll, I'll make sure i'm ex, explicit on this because i want to miss he was cutting closing the cutoff at 12 45 p.m okay so at 12 45 p.m he was closing it off because he had to close the entire event by 2 30 right so there was an hour 45 from that point to finish the race he was saying you need to average six-minute kilometres 
for 16 kilometers to finish the race. But you were at but, 47. Exactly. I actually only had 12 and a half kilometers to go. Right. So I had an hour 45 to do 12 and a half kilometers. Which is, what's that like? Mm. Not as it's, it's it's not as much it's not as it's not as fast as six no <coughs> so and sorry you know in my in my mind state I just couldn't put that together yeah you know I I I I was trying to work out at first I thought maybe he'd closed the cutoff early but then I realized he'd gone off gun time not net time so even though my watch was telling me I had a couple of minutes to spare his firstly I didn't realize I lost so much time yeah. Um, in, in the hiking, the first hill, I didn't realize I pissed away 40 odd minutes. Yeah. Um, so I, I've gone back and I've looked at the, my running splits and I can't tell you how I did it. Yeah. I honestly can't. Like I, I can't tell you how I lost 40 minutes in that little bit, but I did, you know, the, 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 the time doesn't lie. It just adds up minute by minute. It, you know, if you've been doing six minute Ks all the way in, but you start doing 10 minute Ks, then every kilometer you're losing four of those Ks that you've done beforehand. And it just adds up really quickly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I can't argue with him. I, I did hit the cutoff at the cutoff time, but I definitely, if he, if he had given me, you the right information, you probably would have, if he said, you've got an hour 45 to do 12 and a half Ks, I would have been like, Oh, I feel like that's really doable. Yeah. Um, because this is the other thing. Um, you heard one guy went into anger I went into bargaining for a little bit. Two guys went into acceptance. After I got from bargaining, I went into grief. And mm. I just sort of, ment mentally it broke me. So mentally, everything that had been a bit of a struggle leading up to that point, all oh, my quads are feeling a bit sore. Like my body was pretty trashed. Everything that had been a bit of a concern just became a, a blocker. Um, like mentally, it just sort of broke me. Like the second I couldn't do that cutoff, it just became about, you know, what's the point? It's not going to be 60Ks now. What's the point of finishing? All of those bad mental thoughts go through you. So I think it's one of those ones where um, if, I, if, I, if I'd made the cutoff by a minute, I might have finished the whole thing in six and a half hours. I'm not going to sit here and say that I would have banged it out quicker because I think I was just going to continue to get slower and slower and slower yeah. as that race went on. But I think I would have had a chance to, especially if I'd gotten up that hill and down that hill and I'd had like a clock to go against, you yeah. would have just pushed through a lot of the stuff that I ended up letting stopping me. Like, like I walked the last four Ks of this event because so it was just like, what's the point? This race, like all so many races, oh, it's a 50 kilometer event. And then you end up, it's 52, 53. Was this yeah. a true 60? This was a 59 point something. Okay. So really then it's not like he was saying 16 because it's a 60 kilometer race. It's re reality 63 kilometers because it, it, they're Spartan and they don't do bad math. It feels like he said the normal race is 44 Ks and this is 60 Ks. So you've got to do 16 Ks more and you need to do 16 Ks more at six kilometers an hour, which is not what it is. That's it's, not. And yeah. see that that's the kind of stuff that kind of pisses me off. Like, look, I'm the first person to say we should thank volunteers like a lot, yeah. but this is the problem. Like if, if you're going to have volunteers, especially doing cutoff stuff, like yeah. they've got to know their stuff, like the back of their hand, because this is the problem. Like you've now just told somebody that he's got to do 16 kilometers at a six minute pace. And that has now made the difference between somebody who's going to finish a race that they've been wanting to do for years to somebody who has now not finished a race that they have wanted to finish for years. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's kind of like, there's, that's a problem. It's, it's, a it's problem. I think, I think that the big problem with that role for that, that particular role is their role is not to get runners to finish an event. Their job is to enforce a cutoff so that they can open a road to, you know, avoid yeah. their penalties and their yeah. permits and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, um, if you go to, so I think about, I, I recall what the Warburton event was like. The Warburton event was, if you're not feeling well, if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling under the weather, come and talk to any of us people here in these slurro vests and stuff. We want to know that as soon as possible so that we can keep you running, so that we can work out what we need to do to give you support, mm -hmm. so that we can help you continue on the course. Like they were the, the, their whole job was, if you've got a problem, tell us and we'll help you solve it. Whereas, these people were like, they actually 
that that particular role was not about helping the runners finish the event. Just it was not about. Course. It was like I have to close this cutoff at this point, and you know, again, it comes down to me. If I'd been five minutes faster, they wouldn't have said anything. Right. I would have headed up the turn off myself. So yeah. I can't. You know, there's there's that. I, I mean, I, yes, I, it does come down to you. But like, at what point do you say, well, yeah, obviously, I, it is my responsibility. It is my duty as a runner running this race to understand what the cutoff is. But then yeah. when do you say that, like, you got to place the blame on a volunteer who's saying, I mean, there's a big difference when you're 45, 47 kilometers in between 12 kilometers and 16 kilometers at a yeah. six minute pace. That's like, a six minute pace and seven minute pace. Right. Like if, a if big he big freaking difference, like if he'd said 12 and a half kilometers at seven minute pace, you're I'm done. Like, you're, oh, you're going I, cool. I can go. I can do that. 16 kilometers, a six minute pace. There was just no way I could do that. Yeah. So, um, cause as it turned out, so what happened was I, at the 47 and a half K mark, I went, okay, well, I'm not heading up that turn off. So I'm just going to the finish line. Mm. And so I ran and jogged for, I jogged for another four kilometers or so until I got to like 51. Okay. And then I saw like the first sign to Apollo Bay and I looked at my uh, phone and I worked out that I had four kilometers or so to go. And I was at like, you know, five hours, 10 minutes at that point. And I was like, oh, well, I might as well just walk this in. Because, you know, at that point, again, the mental game had been lost. My calves were going, my quads were going. Mm. I was convinced that everything was going to cause a cramp or a rupture. Like there was just zero incentive to push through. Yeah. Like I had zero, you know how you talk about, um, you need to mentally find the strength to push fear, to, to, to push that pain away and deal with it later and all that sort of stuff. Because I knew I wasn't going to complete the 60Ks, I had no mental resistance yeah. to stop all of that stuff flooding in. So the last 4Ks of this event, I was just wave after wave of disappointment, feeling of failure, really, really similar um, to the first Brimbrank I did where you know yeah. I was I was coming back from Brimbank and I'd done the 42Ks and I was like, holy shit, like running more than a marathon is really, really hard. Like it's only 8Ks more, but it really is tough. Um, this was like that. It was as hard as that, you know, the, the walking, the, you know, I didn't cry. Uh, I'll, I'll admit if I would have cried, but I didn't cry this time. Um, but it was, it was, there was a zero mental resistance to any of the negative thoughts you get. And so, yeah, you, you, you do that and you finish the event. And so I ended up finishing the whole event, 54 and a half Ks, five hours, 45. Yeah. So I had 45 minutes left before the cutoff, theoretically, in which to do five and a half kilometers. And that was with walking the last four kilometers. So there's two sides to that story. Story one is I should have been able to make the race, the 60Ks, within six and a half hours if I had just gone for it. Yeah. Flip side of that coin is I felt really bad at the 47 and a half K marks. I'm not going to underestimate how bad I felt. Like I was really, really starting to struggle and it was going to be tough. But at the, up until the point that I didn't make the cutoff, I was always thinking, right, well, I'm just going to have to push through this. Yeah. Um, it was the, I, the, 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 the mental impact of missing that cutoff was just enormous. So I think, I think it would have been line ball. I think, you know, if you squint, it depends if you're glass half full, glass half empty. If you're glass half full, you'd say, Zach, you were going to make it in 6.30. Mm. If you're glass half empty, you'd say, Zach, you were kind of on the downhill struggle. And yeah. so you, but, but it was going to be close, mate. Could I have done it in under seven hours? Guarantee. Yeah. Guarantee. Six and a half hours. That was just, it. Oh, mate, it's like Vegas set those odds. <laughs> it was Six and a half hours and those cutoffs were perfect for me. They were just minute perfect in terms of my ability. So um, so I think that comes to the final lesson from this event is um, just where my ability is up to right now. My running ability is I don't have much running ability right now. I think over the last six to 12 months, I've trained my body and my performance to be a very good um, endurance event finisher, mm. but I'm not a runner at the moment. You know, a lot of my running strength, like when I think about when did I, 
run Melbourne Marathon and set a PB there. I ran that thing. Like I really ran that whole thing. The last few events I've done have either been, um, you know, the last Melbourne Marathon I did, I jogged that as a recovery run. You know, every other event I've done has been some sort of ultra event or endurance event, like, you know, 100 kilometres at the Yu Yanks or, you know, uh, 100 kilometres Oxfam or yeah. trail runs where you hike a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't done an actual proper running event where you've needed to run 40, 45 Ks, 50 Ks yeah. in, in probably two and a bit years. And so my body and my mindset was perfectly set up to get out there, grind it out, halt, hike the hills, but run when you can. It wasn't set up to run. So I've, I'm going to have to take a little bit of a break now. Firstly, my legs are still pretty much like jelly. Yeah. So I'm going to take a bit of a break to recover from it all. And then I'm going to go have to go back into rebuild mode. And really, you know, I've kind of overcorrected too far towards ultras. I've, I've kind of set myself up that I can get through ultra events as long as there's some, some combination of hiking and no cutoff and it's just about surviving for a period of time. But the ability to actually run an event yeah. and in, in a certain time, I've kind of lost that. Right. Um, so I think um, my theory at the moment is most of, you know, next couple of weeks I'll probably take really, really easy. June I'll get back into some strength training, cross training, just try and rebuild, like do, do four or five weeks of just trying to get my body back more general physicality rather than running. Sure. And then July, August, September, try and do a really solid 12 to 15 week marathon program Yeah. Uh, so that I can go to Melbourne Marathon and you know, not going to try and set a PB there, but just try and feel like I can run the whole thing. Like yeah. not not do Melbourne Marathon in a, I've just got to get around and survive. Let's try and go under four hours. But try and get it to a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and run it yeah. um, and try and run the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, not worry so much about what I have been doing, which is like, oh, I need to go hike hills and I need to, you know, it, it, I've, I've overcorrected to ultra hiking the yeah. last probably 18 months or so. And this was not an ultra trail event. This was an ultra road race. And right. the road race means you run the whole thing. And yeah. I was not, I was incapable of running the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, mm. bummer. Yes. A lot so of there. stuff to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's, uh, that's what I've been working out over the last 72 hours. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like at least, I mean, look, it's not, definitely not fun to not be able to finish, but especially when you're given the wrong information that well, what is it is it a dnf is well it yeah i mean did well, not finish okay all so okay so that brings me back to my last question uh well not my last question but a question he said if you go to the finish line they'll take off that five kilometer what does that mean well it's, it's really really interesting um because if you think about it someone could have gone through that second cutoff a minute before i did yeah and they've gone up that hill and come down that hill. They've done the extra five kilometers. Let's say they finished after me. My official result at the moment shows me as finishing in 54th place in five hours, 45 minutes. For the 60K. There could be someone who finished in 56th place. Um, you still there? Or have I yeah. lost you? No, I'm still here. Can you hear me? You still there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You froze for a bit. Um, there could be someone who finished in 55th place. 10 minutes behind me, but they did the whole 60. So right now, the results that are on the Great Ocean Road website are all over the place. Yeah. What he said he was going to do is for anyone who missed the cut, because the way the cutoff works, they have someone at the bottom of the cutoff who ticks off your number, and then they have someone at the top of the cutoff who ticks off your number to make sure you did the whole thing. Right. So what's happened is they haven't ticked my number off at the bottom of the cutoff, and they haven't ticked it off at the top of the cutoff, so they know I didn't do that part of the course. So what they said I should do is I should only get recorded as having finished 55 kilometers. So what I would expect to happen is that in terms of the official positions of the race, anyone who finished the full 60 kilometers, even if they took longer than me, should have a position ahead of me in the results. Yeah. yeah well, it should, it should go. Yeah. It should be like, it would, it, they should taper it that way. Like yes, those who finished it and then those who didn't, Whoever got the furthest in the shortest amount of time. Yes. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because the way it works is if you miss the second cutoff, 
you'd finish with 55 kilometers for the race. Yeah. If you finish, if you somehow, I don't know how this would happen, but if you somehow missed the first cutoff, but did the second cutoff, you'd finish with like 50 kilometers for the race. Right. But in the more likely event that you missed the first cutoff, you're going to miss the second cutoff, in which case you're going to run the 45 K run that the normal marathon does. So it feels like the results should be everyone who finished the 60, the full 60 in their time order, followed by everyone who did the first cutoff but finished the second cutoff but missed the second cutoff in their time order, followed by anyone who entered the ultra but didn't do any of the cutoffs mm-hmm. and who just ended up. That's that's what it feels like the official results should be. Yeah, but right well, now they're not reflecting that. It's just strange. If you're going to have a 60-kilometer race and somebody doesn't complete that because they missed a cutoff, why even bo- – why bother putting them up there? I guess at all. Okay, I guess I got then, a medal. I got a medal that was going to be my next question. Did you get a medal? Yeah. You got a medal. I did. Not a DNF. You did it. Fine. So I, I, I crossed the finish line. Yep. Um, and they handed me a medal, and I took it, and then I put it in my pocket straight away. Okay. Uh oh. Oh no! We froze for the first time in a long time. Did we freeze? Oh yeah, we did the first time in such a long time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you got your medal. You put it in your pocket. I, th- I it's not DNF. I, I say you did it. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is on the ribbon for the medal says 60 kilometers. I'm going to write 54 on it. Right. Failure. Uh, yeah. And on the back <laughs> of the medal, I'm just going to write 54. But yeah, I mean, technically, I completed an ultra. Oh well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And you know what? 54 kilometers on the Great Ocean Road. That's a bitch. So yeah. I mean, it was, it was a. It was a bloody tough run. I'm not yeah. going to deny that, but it just, it wasn't a 60K ultra. It wasn't yeah. the full course 60. You know what? It's an ultra. It's another one to put on the belt. You did it. It's fine. It's yeah. I just, Screw I'm it. just, I'm, I'm going to give it two weeks to see what the official results say, just in case they get updated. I think but, you should give yeah. it two weeks and then write them a, like a strongly worded letter. Just be like, yeah. <laughs> Complaining I, about a volunteer yeah. who donated their time. I want my money back because your bullshit volunteer cost me the race. <laughs> I was oh. going to win. I don't think I was going to win. <laughs> I, you know, Glass half full, mathematically possible, I would have finished in 6.30. Um, but, yeah, seven hours would have been no problem. Yeah, Seven hours, we would have been talking about how I finished the 60Ks. It's just that half hour is tough. Well, I guess then the, the bright side, glass half full, the bright side is you know you can now do it with the right information. It's going to be hard, and you know, will you oh, do my it? training. Like, well, I was going to say, to- your training, when you kind of polarize that a little bit, uh, and don't do like crazy amounts of ultras leading up to it, which you probably will anyway. It doesn't matter. Oh well, no, I, th- I think that's the, that's the whole thing. Is if I wanted to go back and do this sixty k ultra, train I for would this. I would have to train for this so specifically. There'd be no doing other stuff beforehand. It would be really, really serious training just to get back to do this. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's like I, I'm not sitting here going, I want to do that race again. Like it's it's still really sore. Like yeah. the the taste of failure is like ash in my mouth right now. Right. Um, it's it's really tough for me to go back there because, you know, I guess I, I felt so far away from being able to run that whole course. You know, the fact that you know I had I had a perfect ultra strategy for it, but just not an ultra tra- strategy to run that whole course. Yeah. The fact that my strategy, the fact that I followed my plan perfectly. And my plan failed is a real, oh, I'm back to basics here. I've really got to restart this thing from the ground up. Um, And so that's really, really scary right now. And so I think that's a little test of character for me over the next 12 months or so, which is what do I do with that fear? Do I let that fear turn me away from this and refocus me on something else? Or does that fear of this event become a challenge? And, you know, you know, I go after it, not because, oh, I feel like I could do it and tick it off, mm. but I go after it because, oh, I could fail and not do it because I failed at this before. Um, like sometimes, I, you know, you sit there and go, am I entering these races, but they're not really a big challenge because I know I can do them. Mm. This one had a challenge. It was a distance and a terrain and an elevation and a time limit. And, you know, that's the first time in a while I've done an event that had all those things. And you know, I tried and I failed and that's scary. But there's a lot to learn there. So that's a, that's the good thing. You know, that's the mm. good, that's a good thing about failures is now you've got a couple of options. You've got uh, sort of a vague roadmap in terms mm. of what you need to now do moving forward. If you want to do this event again, or if you want to do 
whatever you want to do again. It's like you've kind of experienced so much in the last six to 12 months where you're because, okay, so you have trained for an event specifically. You have trained for many events specifically. You have trained for an event non-really specifically. You have trained for many events non-really specifically. Mm. So you have so many different combinations of what works and what doesn't for you so that like you've tried so many different ways. So it's like, I know what you, well, meaning you know what to do now if you want to train first you know it works what doesn't you know that yeah. if you're training for if you're if you want to do a 60k run on the great ocean road you your your training leading up to that's got to be different from uh, relying on so many different types of events that are kind of similar but very different yeah and there's also i think there's not taking an event for granted. So I definitely didn't take this event for granted. I knew this event was going to be tough and I knew it was going to be challenging. I didn't take it for granted, but did I prepare for it as well as I prepared, say, for the Yu Yang's 100? Like the Yu Yang's 100, I was getting out there at four o'clock in the morning and doing night runs and stuff like that to prepare me for the terrain. I wasn't doing it. You know, I, I was kind of assuming slash relying on the fact that, oh, I'd done... Warburton and Oxfam nine and seven weeks beforehand, you know, surely I wouldn't lose all that fitness um, by the time Great Ocean Road came along. But you know what? That fitness wasn't the right fitness for Great Ocean Road. Those events did not prepare me properly for this event. Mm. Um, Just like, you know, we saw within the space of two weeks, preparing for Warburton did not necessarily prepare me as well for Oxfam as it could have. you know, I got through Oxfam okay in the moment, but the recovery from Oxfam was so bad that it impacted my ability to do this event. Right. So I think it definitely um, was a big lesson for, you know, people who go weekend to weekend, race to race, and they kind of always stay race fit because they're always racing. Yeah. Um, I think you can do, I'd be interested to see the variance in their types of races. I feel like if you're doing the same sort of race every weekend or every second weekend, then it's probably easier to do that than if you're doing a 50K trail run versus a 24-hour hike versus a 60K road run, which, you know, having done all of them within nine weeks of each other, they're all really, really different. Yeah, And and I would, in hindsight, have trained for all of them really, really differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, just from the Oxfam alone, you know how, Mm. yeah, I mean... It just just what you said before, it's like a road race, a running race is a very different thing from just a, you know, not just a, but an mm. hours and hours long endurance trial. Because yeah. um, it's just going to, you can tax different systems. So yeah, it's, um, it's going to be interesting. I think with the next sort of couple months, six to 12 months even has in store for you race wise. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see it. I'm, it's going to be interesting to see you get back to like a, I don't know, normal is the word, but like a normal, I guess, like a, yeah, like a more consistent, normal running. Yeah. Path. Yeah. I think it, it'll be interesting if, if I sort of sit there and go, well, the only thing I'm really going to look forward to now is Melbourne in October. Yeah. At that point, I'm kind of, I'm quote unquote, I'm only training for a marathon then. So I can concentrate, really concentrate on the more traditional side of running. Yeah. You know, the, the speed work, the tempo pace versus when you train for an ultra where you're, you're training for trails, you're training for, you know, nutrition and competitive, you know, an, an ultra marathon is a running event and a competitive eating competition combined into one. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you're training for those two things. You're training for elevation. You're tra- like, you know, there's so much different training when you're going for an ultra that takes you away from the more traditional running training. Mm. I think I need to, you know, I got started getting into the ultras and the more endurance events because the training and the performance for those normal running events was something that I was doing quite comfortably. Yeah. Um, you know, I was never a fast runner. You know, I was never, um, or, or sorry, I probably got to a point where it was like I had two paths. Mm. I could continue down just sort of the, the marathon reigning path and try and continue to bring down my marathon time. Mm. But I was really captivated by the thought of the ultra. And so I started going down more of that ultra path. And so since 2019, the last couple of years have been all heading down that ultra path. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I pulled out of that. I I tried to bring that ultra path and that road running path together on the weekend. And I worked out that they are actually quite different paths. They're parallel paths. 
but there's quite a bit between them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, there you go. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fun. Must have been the shoes. I needed some alpha flies. Yeah, I think That's so. the lesson in all this. I, I think yeah. so. I think so. I think you got to get on that train. My shoes were actually too tight, to be honest. My feet weren't good this entire race. The, the Great Ocean Road, the camber, is such um, that you're always rolling on this road to the outside of your feet. Yeah, and bummer. I've got, I've got, um, I overproniate and I roll to the inside. Yeah. So the inserts in my shoes are designed mm-hmm. to push me outside. So, so you're like, like <laughs> so I'm double. So like my shoes are pushing me to the outside of my feet, and the camber of the road is pushing me to the outside of my feet. And I swear, like when you run your hands along the outside of your feet. That's where I was feeling it the most. It felt like I was running on the sides of my feet the yes. whole event. In essence, you were. Yeah. So between that and my quads just absolutely burning and my calves feeling like they were going to blow up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was physically, it was not a fun day. My, my breathing was really good. My cardio mm. was good. My diet and my food consumption and taking care of the gels and everything, no problems there. It, it was, it was muscle. It yeah. was muscle failure this time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, those are all yeah. easy things to, well, not easy, but all, well, yeah, easy things to pinpoint and work on. The things to get, time, yeah. time and basics yeah. are the things to work on here. Yeah. Mm. And I think, I think that's going to segue really nicely into the next, I'd like for the rest of, you know, our time this year, I think we, we get back into some of those basics and we start yeah. talking about different types of training, different types of uh, running that people can do, different types of workouts that people can do and, and start to give some more information as, as we both learn more information about ourselves and yeah. get back to the core of everything, the racing, the running, the fundamentals, the um, how everything works, why everything works, the mindset of it. I think that's going to be a good thing place for us to go. Yeah. Well, next time we catch up, we should go through, cause I'm going to need a basic strength plan to, to rebuild myself. So let's talk about a basic strength plan next time. Right. And then after that, I'm going to try and find a basic marathon plan and we'll talk about that and what that looks like. Cool. Um, and like just that. you know, let people know because um, you know a basic marathon plan you can convert pretty easily to a basic half marathon plan or a basic ten kilometer plan. Yeah. Um, if you're starting, you know, from scratch, then you probably want to look at more something like a couch to five k. Yeah. But if you're someone who's a more established runner, well, then maybe a basic strength plan and a, and a basic twelve week training block um, would be useful for you. So like there's that. a couple of things we can talk about. Bitching. Awesome. Right on. Well, I hope you feel better. Um, and start to start to feel good and be back out in the big world and we'll uh, don't infect any of your clients at the gym. I'll try not to. No. None of them deserve it. No. We've got some hardworking clients. I want to keep them that way. All awesome. right. Well, look, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Break the Barrier podcast where Zach has recapped his almost 60K ultra, learning a lot, learning a lot. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what racing is all about, right? It's not always going to go the way we plan or hope um but point is however it goes we learn something whether it goes good bad and different we have to learn something and that sounds like what zach has done so that's awesome i've got a lot of data to do stuff with now i just need to work out what i'm going to do with it exactly exactly Mm. so you 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 extrapolate what you can and you go you go forward you go above and beyond what you ever thought possible couldn't have said it better myself it's almost like the tagline for the podcast (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to this episode, where, as Zach so eloquently put it, where we try to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.